What does it mean to believe in God? Especially in a world where God seems nowhere to be found. Our modern secular mindset seems to have banished God from our world, from our sciences, our values, and in our daily lives, so that now there is only us and the world. But perhaps we should have asked this first. What do we mean by God? Because I think most of us nowadays no longer really understand what the idea of God was supposed to be about. We tend to usually think that believing in God is just simply about believing that there's some all-powerful entity out there somewhere watching over us, whereas the actual idea of God seemed to be more about, well, our relation to reality as a whole. Welcome to What Do You Mean God Speaks, where we will explore important stories, ideas, and insights in Christianity, a series for the skeptics who want to understand religion, the Christians who have questions about their own beliefs, and everyone in between. I am Paul Sungo Jung, the author of God at the Crossroads of Worldviews, and this is our first episode. What do you mean by God? Part 1 Why there is no job for God I think one symptom that tells us that we no longer really understand the idea of God is that we no longer know what we would need God for. It's as if we are asking, is there still a job that needs a benevolent, all-powerful, all-knowing entity with special skills like creating the universe and performing miracles. What I mean is that we are now asking, is there still a role for God in our lives? And we are finding it increasingly difficult to answer. Now, I don't mean that we are finding it hard to answer whether a belief in God plays a role in our lives. Obviously, it does simply because there are religious people and that affects our moral views, our laws, foreign policies, and elections for good or for ill. The question I'm asking here though is more basic, not the role of the belief in God, but the role of God himself, if there is a God that is. What role would an entity like God play in what happens around us? Let me phrase the question more directly. Where would you point to and say that that was an act of God? When can we say that we are actually dealing with God? Perhaps it is when God answers prayers. So say, we pray for some people who's really ill and they get better. Can we say that that was God? But what if it was the doctors and nurses with modern medicine who treated their illnesses? Was it still God then? Because what healed them was medicine, medical professionals, and I suppose the laws of nature that govern how human bodies heal. Or say, there was this man who was going through a really rough time. Now, he eventually makes it. Uh, perhaps there was this friend who stood by him, or he heard a moving story or a song which inspired him in his darkest hours. Then say, he later tells us that God saved him. What does he mean? Wasn't it that friend who saved him? Or that story? Or that song? Or maybe his own heart that never gave up? Now, 
It might make some sense if, say, the friend who helped him out did so because he thought God told him to. But what if he did it just because he was, well, a good friend? Of course, people who believe in God say that God can use medicine to heal the sick or people to help you when you're down, that God works through things and people around us. But what does it mean for God to work through things? See, without a clear answer to that, it just sounds as if God is like the CEO who actually doesn't do anything while the real job is being done by other things and people. Then there are those who say that science has made God redundant. That is, science made God lose his job as a creator to evolution, the Big Bang, or the laws of physics. So we can now tell the stories of how the universe, life, and everything came to be through these things without needing an entity like God that started the whole thing. Now, there are many scientists who do believe in God, and they say that God can work through things like evolution, Big Bang, or the laws of physics to create our world. But again, what do they mean by that? Because without a clear answer to that, it still sounds as if we're just adding a redundant entity at the top of it all. Again, an imaginary CEO who has no real job. A CEO who might as well not exist. Well, perhaps job for God is to teach us moral laws, how to live a good life, do unto others, that sort of thing. Or maybe it is to bring beauty and meaning into our lives. But then again, there are many people today who don't find the need to ground their morality or meaning in some religious belief. And they may respond, isn't our moral values simply based on our relation or duty to each other as human beings? And can we not find and bring forth meaning in our lives by experiencing the fullness of everything around us or by drawing from what is deep within us? Or to put it in a different way, isn't morality and meaning an intrinsic part of how our reality is because the lives and actions of sentient beings like us are woven into reality, so to speak? So then, why would he need some external entity to dictate these things to us. So, if you're one of the people who's been thinking like this, your issue with any belief in God is something like this. We are able to tell our stories of what happens around us without adding an entity like God into our lives. We can do without that addition because that entity plays no real role. There's no job for him. And that makes up a key reason why many of us today no longer believe in God. And it's also why, for those of us who still do, we tend to think of God only when something happens and we can't explain it. And that's what many people wrongly think miracles are, for example. And so we say it's God if we're healed and the doctors don't know how. Or we say it's God when we have unexplainable religious or spiritual experience. Or we say God did it as long as scientists can't explain where life ultimately came from or what, quote-unquote, caused the Big Bang. These are the points where we think we'll find God in a world where he seems nowhere to be found otherwise. Here, we think God may still have a job. Yet, if that's how it is, 
what do we do if we eventually figure out what happened in all of these cases? Would that mean that even an all-powerful entity like God can become unemployed? Is that when our age-long belief that such an entity is out there somewhere finally departs from our minds? But what if we're missing something? What if we've fundamentally misunderstood what the idea of God is supposed to be about? Because the thing is, Everything we've said so far guesses one key thing wrong. Because according to Christianity, God is not an entity. The traditional Christian formulation for this is, God is not a being. Rather, God is being itself, and thus also truth itself, and goodness itself. This theological idea goes back 1,500 years or more, which in turn is rooted in a biblical idea that's far older. In fact, according to this view, God is the creator precisely because God is not an existing entity. And I emphasize that this is by no means just quibbling over some semantics. The thing is, the reason we think God no longer has a role in our world it's because we've been thinking of God as just another entity, even if one that is all-powerful and all-knowing. Basically, because of this, God has become for us something that exists alongside everyone and everything else, like gravity, lions, or people. And that means God became just one of the possible characters, albeit a unique one, auditioning for a role in the stories we tell about our reality. Stories of how people were saved, or how life came to be, or how the universe began, and he can fail the addition, or all the roles could have been taken already. But since I brought up this metaphor of stories, let's go with this a bit further, because I found that this metaphor provides a frame that gives us an insight into this idea that God is not an entity that exists, yet is a creator of everything. So, in a story, uh, say Hamlet, where is the author? Shakespeare in this case. And in one sense, nowhere. Shakespeare is nowhere to be found in the world of Hamlet. That's because the author typically does not exist anywhere as a particular entity inside their story. But at the same time, the author is everywhere because all of the story is the author, their words to be precise. And what is the author's role in the story? What does Shakespeare do in Hamlet? And again, in one sense, nothing. Because everything that happens in that story happens because of characters, circumstances, and forces that exist inside that story. Yet, in another sense, what the author does is everything. Because everything that happens in the story is the author speaking them. Authors unfold their stories through everything and every happenings in their stories, rather like how religious people claim that God works through all things and events like medicine, people, evolution, or the Big Bang. Now, if you're like me, some part of you will be thinking that this comparison made sense. But the other part of you will still be asking, but why should we believe that 
our world even has an author outside of it? Well, first, that question implies that you're still likely thinking of God as some kind of an entity, because though authors like Shakespeare may not be an entity that exists inside their stories, these authors are also entities outside their stories, living out their lives in the stories of their own world. And that is the limit of our metaphor. God is like an author. But there is no outside to his story. His story includes every world. So save all of us find out that we are inside some made-up story, uh, perhaps a computer program like The Matrix, what's happening in the outside, in the supposedly real world, would still be God's story. In fact, even our made-up world would also be part of God's story, like a story told within a larger story. And in that outside world, as well as here, God would not be an entity, but being itself, truth itself, and goodness itself. And if you find all this difficult to make sense of, I don't find it surprising. It's because we don't know how to think about an idea like this today, especially now when many of us are used to living, thinking, and conversing in a secular society, which is essentially non-theistic. That is, the Christian mode of thought that would have made sense of this idea of God is now no longer familiar to most people, including, ironically, many Christians. So, what we have here is what I call a problem of translation. See, people with different worldviews don't just have different beliefs. They think and talk differently, even about the same things, so much so that it's like they speak a different language. And this means explaining a key idea from one worldview to the other needs something like a translation, and a careful one at that. We'll get more into that in some other episode. But for now, let's try this. Instead of using the word God, let me offer a word that I think translates the idea better into the language of secular, non-theistic worldviews that many of us seem to be working with. Let me emphasize, though, think of this as a low-resolution translation. It's a rough sketch, just to start us off for now. So, here's my low-resolution translation of the idea of God, which is also a start to an answer to the question that we began with, what do we mean by God? Well, by God, we mean reality. To be precise, by God, we mean reality at the most fundamental and the most comprehensive level with its infinite variations and possibilities. But we should keep it simpler here. God is reality. No, I do not mean that God is the universe. That would be a wrong translation. The word reality is both more immediate and more encompassing. So think about how we relate to reality. Don't we say things like, you need to look at reality, or that reality will tell us if you are right or wrong. When we have false beliefs or wrong theories or are lying to ourselves, it matters because what we believe are being measured against reality, what is true, 
Hence the idea that God is being itself and truth itself. And we are always engaged with reality. I mean, when can we not? Anything we do, look into, or struggle with is us engaging with reality or some aspect of it. Reality is what you're exploring in any scientific inquiry. Literally everything that happens is part of the story that reality unfolds. And that story includes, well, all of history, of the cosmos, life, humanity, or even other universes if there are such things. And of course, the story of our own lives. So we all live, do what we do, and be what we are in reality. Or as Apostle Paul puts it in the Bible, quoting Greek philosophers, mind you, in God, we all live, move, and have our being. Now, reality and its all-encompassing story also presents us with both the beauty and the tragedies of life, both the good and the evils of our world. But, and this is important, it also presents us with our moral sense, including how we as species came to develop this sense. And this has us aspire for what is good, overcome what is evil, love beauty and endure tragedies. All of that's part of reality and the story of how we live it. And also crucial is, what we mean by reality is more than just a sum of what exists now. It includes every possibility that can ever come to be. And that's why you can bring forth new ideas, innovations, or paths that did not exist before. But you do so only by engaging reality and discovering and then drawing upon the limitless possibilities that it holds. And so, in a real sense, as you engage reality, it reveals to you what's possible. And as we do all this, dreaming beyond the impossible or thinking up incredible new ideas or finding ways to reach a moral ideal, others may discourage us by saying, in fact with the very words, look at reality. But when we prove them wrong and succeed, we are vindicated by reality. Our engagement with it was tested and judged by it, so to speak. And all this is just how it is, no matter how powerful or wise or great you are. You could be a superhero, you could be a hyper-advanced alien whose civilization spans a thousand galaxies, you could even be a god with a small g. Yet reality is what's all around you, what you engage with and interact with at all times, and what judges your endeavors. And all of that's what we mean by God. Because everything, everything we've just said about reality is what people who believed in God said of God. And that's what I realized when I examined the idea of God. And this is what many of us miss today, what the idea of God actually meant to the people who believed in God. So that's why there is no job for God. God is not out of a job due to the uh, recent downturn in our metaphysical economy. Rather, God is the economy itself. We need not ask when God plays a role in our lives because God is, reality is, what every one of us are engaged with at all times. Or, in the words of a psalm, a song sung by ancient Hebrews in the Bible, O Lord, where can I go from your spirit or flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, 
you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise and settle on the far side of the sea, even there you will guide me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. But there's a problem with this view. If by God we simply mean reality, then everyone more or less believes in God. But that's not how it is. Many of us don't. So the obvious question is, what would it mean then to disbelieve God? Because what we mean by God can't just only mean reality. There has to be something more. After all, God is a who, not a what. And that's why I stated earlier that what I'm presenting is a low-resolution translation, a translation that is incomplete. But it is not a wrong translation, one that implied that God was just an entity in reality, even if a unique one. But more importantly, this clarifies the real question that we should be asking next, which is, what is the most adequate understanding of this reality? What is the best portrait, so to speak? And this is where we can begin to perceive the difference between those of us who believe in God and those of us who don't. It's less about believing or disbelieving that there is an all-powerful entity up there somewhere, but more about how to understand and relate to reality as a whole. Or to put it in a different way, our disagreement is sort of like arguing over an ambiguous image, like whether it's a duck or a rabbit or an old lady or a young lady. Google those if you're curious. And the ambiguity we are arguing over is this. Is reality a who or a what? That's the real question. If by God we mean reality, then the problem for a belief in God is not that God seems nowhere to be found, but that God, reality we are engaged with at all times, everywhere, does not seem to care. It may even be that he, or rather it, is incapable of caring. Is reality personal? And it is at this point that some of us may now want to jump immediately to questions like whether our universe seems to have a purpose or some design, which we think will answer this question. But I say that that would be far too hasty, because I don't think most of us really understand what it means to say that reality, or God, is personal any more than we understood the idea that God is not an entity. And there are many other relevant key ideas in Christianity that many of us nowadays do not understand while naively assuming that we do, such as what it means to say that God created the universe, or that God has this or that quality, or that God speaks. So we will begin exploring these and others in the first season of this series, What Do You Mean God Speaks? And doing so will eventually lead us back to the question that we must leave aside for now. Is reality that we are engaged with who or a what? But to begin exploring this, we would need to journey into the story of how the Jews and then the Christians encountered and engaged with this reality over many, many generations and how through that long history of this interaction, they came to relate to reality in a certain way, as a who, and a very particular who, with a particular personality, so to speak. 
So we would need to ask, what were the events, experiences, insights, or even more importantly, mistakes, misunderstandings, and failures? How did they arrive at the relationship they have now? And where are they headed from here? Now, one remaining question may be this. Isn't the real issue here the need to approach reality with science rather than religion? And I respond that that's a very simplistic view of how science relates to religion. But we will also cover topics in this very area, starting with the one titled God, Science, the Universe, and the Flying Spaghetti Monster. In the meantime, I hope you'll join me for the next episode, Why We Need to Aim Higher Than Tolerance. If you enjoy this content and want to hear more, please subscribe, follow, rate, and share. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I'll be waiting here.